It's time for You and Your Money. And today I'm joined by Lysel Cording, Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor at Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky Strategic Wealth Advisors. Lysel, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Wayne. Good morning. Happy to be here. Today, Lysel and I will be discussing systemic risk and its impact on investors. But before we begin, as we always do in our monthly You and Your Money programs, Lysel, give me some news from the financial markets. Absolutely, sure. So overall, I'll talk about the um, economy a bit first, but overall, the fundamentals of the economy, Wayne, are showing signs of resiliency, uh, despite some of the headlines that we're seeing. Uh, But consumers are feeling pretty confident. We've got higher wages. We have low unemployment. Business spending is still relatively strong. And the economy is growing a a bit faster than we had anticipated. Uh, So all of that sort of leads into some of the biggest risks we see, though, in the economy, which are inflation. We're trying to still combat that. It's gotten better over the last couple of months. It's headed in the right direction. Uh, But if that spikes again with all of the um, consumers feeling pretty good and businesses still spending, that could force the, the Federal Reserve to keep hiking rates. So that could have an impact. Um, and then we also have still a war in, in Europe and some other conflicts abroad. Um, so all of that, in terms of the markets, when we look at, at June last month, it was a very strong month. And on a year-to-date basis, U.S. markets have been very strong. Fixed income uh, was a bit weaker because of interest rates. But on year-to-date basis, S&P up almost 17%. The Dow is up about 5%. NASDAQ up about 32 and bonds between 2 and 5%. And then internationally, we're seeing markets about 12%, so lagging uh, U.S. markets a bit. Uh, but what does this mean really for, for investors, Wayne? I, we always go back to this every time we, we talk about the markets, but we're keeping a close eye on the risk, and we're not done with the volatility that we're seeing, um, and likely we'll continue to see a rebound with some ups and downs. Um, but always remember to Stay focused on those longer-term goals and don't let this short-term volatility. I mean, we've seen quite a run since the the bottom of the market at the end of or during the fall last year. So always focus on the longer-term goals. That's really important. Liza, what's the relationship between inflation and the rising market? Does inflation trigger the market to go higher or does a rising market trigger inflation? Well, that's a, a good question, Wayne. Um, I, inflation is really driven by the prices of, of things um, in the both in markets and uh, just in general in, in everyday living, and so that can have a, have an impact on the overall uh, increase in, in revenues and businesses and, and things like that. Um, so it does have an impact on it for sure. Uh, but now we're seeing that we have to combat that because if we have inflation running too hot for or too high and too hot for too long, uh, that's going to have an overheating economy, uh, which will have inflation higher for longer. And we really want to see inflation on a two to three percent uh, increase on a year over year basis, uh, whereas we were up towards nine percent. Uh, so that's pretty significant. From your catbird seat, do you anticipate the Fed having another rate increase soon, or are they going to kind of keep it this way for a while? Likely, we'll see another increase at some point. Um, I, I think investors were, I mean, we were happy with the pause that happened in May. And um, as we sort of move through, and we're really seeing, like I had mentioned, a resilient economy, um, that's going to have the Fed really sort of question whether they should raise rates or should we 
uh, continue to pause, likely we'll probably see some some rate increases. It'll all depend on the inflation numbers, really. Um, and if those continue to go down, well, we might see them uh, continue to pause. But likely we'll see some more before we start seeing interest rates uh, come down. And we were hoping that, that we'd see rates decline by the end of the year. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> really good information about the market status. Now let's move on to today's topic. And this phrase, systemic risk, two words I don't often use in a sentence together, and I think a lot of people don't know what that means. So let's begin by understanding what systemic risk really means. Shed some light on that term and its implications. Of course, Wayne. So systemic risk, um, it's also known as market risk, and it's risk that impacts the entire market as a whole. Um, so it's not just a single stock or industry or industry that's impacted by this. And I'll just give you some examples. We were just talking about it. Um, but this would include rising inflation, rising interest rates, uh, war or terrorism. These are things that uh, happen in the world that we really we don't have control over. And that's why it impacts all investors. And it's, it's something that we can't, we can't necessarily control. But there are some things we can do. And we'll discuss those this morning. How does systemic risk impact individual investors? And what lessons can they learn from it? Yeah, well, and, and I mentioned you can't completely protect yourself from systemic risk, um, but you can take some steps to help mitigate that. And one key lesson uh, when we talk about systemic risk is really uh, spreading investments across multiple asset classes and ha uh, just having a variety of different types of investments in your overall portfolio. And that's something that every advisor stresses. Um, but if you think about it, uh, we've had an increase in interest rates over the last year, the, the steepest uh, increase, actually, for that matter. And um, so things like that, when we have interest rates that are increasing, there's some bonds that may be uh, more valuable than the ones uh, that were already issued beforehand. So if we have a diversified portfolio that helps to, to mitigate that risk, while interest rates cause some stocks, to actually decrease in value. Um, and so we've seen this over the last year. Stocks are not performing that well, um, but we're seeing uh, shorter-term bonds, CDs, treasuries that have been picking up more interest because of the higher rates uh, that you had in your portfolio. So if, you have, if you're offsetting uh, that, that risk there, that's one way to help uh, mitigate. And, and like I said, you can't completely mitigate it by diversifying, but you can still spread across different investments and asset classes and um, choosing the right mix of investments and matching that uh, to your individual risk tolerance, uh, it, it will really help you to build a, a portfolio and a financial plan that will uh, be successful for you. So, And that's when you talk to your advisor about this risk talk. And remind me again, what is risk tolerance? Yeah, uh, good question. So risk tolerance is uh, how much... A person has comfort with um, taking on risk or potentially losing money in their investments. And so sometimes you might hear this referred to as the sleep factor. And um, so basically we ask, would you be able to sleep if you lost money in your investments? If you might be kept up at night, um, then you probably have a low risk tolerance, which means you should be leaning towards uh, less risky investments that provide more of a like fixed income or bonds that sort of provide that, that um, income that's consistent. Um, but if you can sleep and you're okay with losing some money, you have a longer time horizon, 
uh, then you can probably take on more risk and uh, have more stocks in your portfolio, for example. Is there a relationship between systemic risk and risk tolerance? Uh, there, there is in some way. So systemic risk, uh, again, is really that market risk, um, whereas risk, market risk, so things we can't control, whereas risk tolerance is something that you, you sort of can control because you can um, align it to your financial plan, and it has to do with, and we'll talk about this um, a bit later, your time horizon, where if you can take on a bit more risk, then your your risk tolerance, so your your um, ability to to be okay with investments losing money because you have a longer time horizon, um, is really what matters uh, when you when you talk about that. So they're they're sort of similar, but um, slightly they're different. <laughs> so obviously, understanding risk tolerance, Lysel, and tempering that with diversification is crucial. How do the current market conditions and overall systemic risk play into how investors can determine the right level of risk for their portfolios? Well, yeah, that's um, something that we work on with our our clients to determine that right level of risk for them. And just to give you an example, Wayne, so you have an idea of how we, we think about it, but then we also work with them to have them answer some questions that help us to, to gauge their risk tolerance. Uh, but if you're a young professional and you have decades to go before retirement and you're saving in a 401k, you probably have a lot more stocks in there than somebody who's only a few ways uh, or a few sorry years away from retirement. And um, that's because you have a lot more time. I know I had mentioned this before we went on the break, and uh, that time is what we call your time horizon. And that allows your overall investment gains uh, potentially to outweigh the losses over that time period. So if you have, like I said, decades to go, 20 years to go, last year's loss in the market is, will be okay over time uh, as long as you stay invested in your strategy. Uh, but there's a lot of factors that go into determining somebody's risk tolerance, and that's from their current financial standing to their time horizon and then their personality and comfort with taking on risk. And the way that we assess uh, their comfort with taking on risk is through a, we do a risk tolerance questionnaire, and it asks clients uh, a couple of different questions about um, how they feel about investments or how they're currently invested, how long they have until they need this money. Um, so all of those questions help us to determine a, what we call a risk score, and then that helps us to, to build into their portfolio um, what, the amount of risk that they should be taking on. Um, and so, and again, and that aligns all to a financial plan as well. So once we have that score, we can align it and say, okay, Based on, on this and how much you're willing to take on for risk, this is how it fits into your overall plan, and um, and we we adjust that as we need to, especially as world events uh, change and market conditions change. So we keep it. That's what we do. We keep an eye on that and adjust it along the way uh, as needed. All right. So talk me through this. I sit down with you and I proclaim to you that I have a lot of risk tolerance. What does that gravitate me to as far as a potential investment with a lot of risk tolerance? Sure, possibly it could be a hundred you could be a hundred percent in stock, so taking on the most amount of risk in any overall portfolio, whereas somebody who has um, low risk tolerance, they're probably 
maybe 10% in stocks and 90% in fixed income or bonds. Um, so you can see that the difference would be, of course, the returns. If you're in more stocks, you're likely going to see higher returns because you're, you're being paid for take, or you're not being paid, but you're, you're, um, the potential to gain, uh, is what you're taking on that risk for. So, uh, typically if you're in 100% stocks, you're, you are likely outperforming somebody who's in a much lower portfolio of stocks with more bonds. Would a high risk investment have the likelihood or maybe the possibility of having a higher return sooner than a low-risk investment would? Oh, well, that all depends. (laughs) So if we take last year's example, um, if you – so last year, 2022, stocks were down anywhere between 15 to 30%, depending on on which – stocks you're in, whether you're in growth or more dividend paying or or, um, we call those value stocks, Uh, last year you got hit pretty hard. Uh, But if you um, were investing solely in CDs, CD rates uh, hit 4 or 5% last year. So you you gained by being in in those low risks. So that's why time horizon is so important too. Because if you were looking to buy a house last year and, and you had all your money in stocks and it's down 20%, that's probably not going to help you buy, buy a house in that short time frame. Uh, whereas if you had that money in a CD and it was earning 4 to 5%, then you're in a much better financial position. So again, that's why time horizon is also very important. But over time, it's likely that, that stocks would uh, outperform um, and, and typically, we say investing beyond three years to five years is sort of that sweet spot for, for investing in stocks. Anything before that, um, you might want to consider some kind of cash or more fixed income uh, you know, uh, instrument where you're, you're getting that potentially um, you know, more, not guaranteed, but more uh, likely that you're going to get that return. Obviously, the economy has changed a lot in the last three years. And a year ago, we were wearing masks at the frozen food aisle. Do you find a change in people's investment decisions in the last year? Investing in different things now than they were a year ago when there was still the, the fear of the pandemic? Yeah, I well, and that's where it comes back to a diversified portfolio and, and having all the, uh, the different asset classes. Um, which we had touched on briefly in the beginning of the segment. Uh, but if I dig a little deeper on that and just having a more uh, balanced, diversified portfolio across the entire portfolio. So growth stocks have performed uh, very well over the last three years during the pandemic. Last year, they didn't perform as well, um, but they've made a recovery on, on some of that loss. Um, so it, it really, uh, it's changed, uh, certainly, Um and there's been, and, and this happens every year, regardless of what's going on in the markets. There will be some that perform well, and some that don't perform as well. So, like I said, growth stocks have performed very well. Uh, value stocks have performed pretty well. We've seen some small and mid-cap companies, so smaller companies and sort of those mid-range uh, companies have performed pretty well, but not as well as larger companies. So that's why having a diversified portfolio is key, and. Um, and it evolves over time, and that's that's where we make those decisions uh, in our investment committee as to which way we should tilt based on what markets are doing. 
Liza, inquiring minds want to know, what's the first thing you do as far as the markets, as far as investing when you get up in the morning? Maybe you're checking your phone while you're having your Rice Krispies, or what's the first thing you do when you come in the office? I'm guessing you're analyzing world events and things like that, but I'm just kind of curious what the first things you check out every day are. Uh, yeah, so uh, we exactly. We look at the Wall Street Journal typically. Um, any uh, We have a, a blog that we follow where we're getting some, and I had talked about them a bit in the beginning, uh, fundamentals of the economy. So every week we're getting and we're seeing what, um, you know, how things are going, how are consumers feeling, what are businesses doing, um, how, what's inflation doing. So we get those figures on a, um, a weekly basis to give us updates and then just sprinkled in with news from the Wall Street Journal or other um, other publications that help us to, to understand what's going on in the markets and and um, that helps to drive our decisions. So along that same line, keeping tabs on world events and understanding how that plays into systemic risk seems like a lot of work. How does Weiss, Hale, Zahansky keep up with it? And how can the average investor, how can I keep up? Yeah, well, there's a lot to um, to analyze over, over time, and that's why picking some good uh, news uh, publications that can help to just distill what's really important. And I think, and that's why we always say there's headline risk that goes into uh, some of the reasons why the markets are performing the way they are. Because when you look at underlying fundamentals like we do, you can see that things like employment history, inflation figures, uh, consumer spending are actually have actually been pretty good over the last several months. Um, and that helps to give us indications on where the economy might be headed and then helps to shape the investment decisions that we make. Um, and we do we have we don't make uh, changes frequently, but we do have a quarterly investment meeting where we review performance of our investments, um, and then we also make decisions on forward-looking analysis and historical performance figures. So that's that's really important as an individual investor, um, understanding the economy as a whole, and, and like I said, not focusing too much on headlines. Um, and, and going back to our, what our segment's about, systemic risk, it's something that we should all be aware of, um, And but just knowing that it's important to have a mix of different asset classes within your overall portfolio, so stocks, bonds, and then distilling that down further to having larger companies, smaller, uh, mid-cap companies, because each of those uh, different pockets of the economy are going to do well, uh, depending on the, the uh, what's going on in the market. So a lot to keep up with, um, and we've mentioned this before, but working with a financial advisor, keeping tabs on everything and, and acting in, in uh, clients' best interests is, is really what, what our goal is, to help minimize risk and maximize uh, return. So we really uh, emphasize a detailed evaluation of, of goals for every client, and this is getting back to that, looking at risk tolerance, time horizon, all of the, the factors that lead into building uh, that financial plan for our client and going through our uh, plan well, invest well, live well process. So that's what allows us to create that tailored financial plan. Our primary topic today is systemic risk. And you talked about your quarterly investment meetings. I'm assuming at some point during those periodic meetings, the phrase systemic risk is addressed. <laughs> that's exactly right. And um, it, it's one of those things, I mean, it, it sort of is an overarching 
theme to, to um, things that we focus on, and then we look at the individual factors that lead into that, inflation, interest rates, say, where, where is all, all of this headed, and how are we going to mitigate that across our portfolio? So it's definitely a topic that's at the top of our, our minds at each uh, uh, investment committee. You know, Liza, the average guy on the street, and I'm raising my hand, I'm an average guy on the street, or the average gal on the street, they hear this talk about the market doing really well, the stuff you talked about a little while ago today. And then they go on the market and they see the price of eggs and they see the price of food. They go into the department store and they see the price of stuff that just keeps going up. Is there a way that this can get back in control? Because the prices are higher now, even though the markets are doing great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is something that uh, the Federal Reserve is trying to work on by raising rates or t- tightening um you know, that monetary policy, they're able to, to help curb spending. So um, what they're trying to do is to have consumers spend less, and then eventually that should uh, lower the demand, and then that would help to lower um, to lower prices on, on things. So eventually it'll, it should get uh, better. We're still sort of on the um, higher end of inflation that, we, that we'd like and where we'd like to be, and, and that's why I think and why we think at WHZ, uh, the next couple of, of months, we'll probably see some more rate increases that will help with that, um, with those prices that you're seeing. So it's, it's sort of, it, it takes some time to move through the economy. And I know it's, you wish that um, the price of eggs or bacon or whatever it is that you're buying would go down faster, but it does take some time to sort of move through the, uh, the economy as a whole. Hey, let's wrap things up with a thought about your Tolland office, the fact that you now have two offices, and how much of your time is spent at the new Tolland office? Well, I was there yesterday. Uh, I typically spend about a, a day a week there. Our um, advisor, Mike uh, Baum, he's there primarily. And uh, so we, we all split time there. It's a great space. Uh, definitely come and check it out. It's um, It's been all newly renovated and and um, it looks really great. So we're, we're excited to have a, another spot um, outside of Pancra and closer to 84 and closer to Hartford. So it's really exciting for our, for our team and our company. Excellent. Well, thanks for all this great information you've given us today, Lysel. If there's anybody listening today that could use more information, how can they get in touch? Well, you can request a complimentary consultation uh, right on our website, which is great, or you can contact us at 860-928-2341 or info at whvwealth.com. Perfect. Thanks for showing up today, Liesl. Absolutely. Thanks, Wayne. Great to talk with you. Liesl Cording, our guest this morning from Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky Strategic Wealth Advisors, Principals Managing Partners, Jim Zahansky, AWMA, and Lawrence Hale, AAMS, CRPS, along with Vice President, Associate Financial Advisor, Liesl Cording, CFP, Offer securities and advisory services through Commonwealth Financial Network, member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Fixed insurance products and services offered through CES Insurance Agency. They practice at 697 Pomfret Street, Pomfret Center, 06259. The phone number is 928-2341. That's 860-928-2341. And they're also located at 392A Merrow Road in Tolland. Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky Strategic Wealth Advisors do not provide legal or tax advice. The tenured financial services team strives to support clients in achieving their financial life goals. 
Content is sourced and researched through 2021 Commonwealth Financial Network. For more information regarding wealth management and customized financial planning with Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky Strategic Wealth Advisors, please visit whzwealth.com. 14 WILI Willimantic and 95.3 FM.